Tomorrows. We're back for another episode of Out of the Podcast. This is Joey, and with me is my friend and co-host and genius of noir, Dan. Hello. Hello there. How you doing, buddy? I am doing all right. How about you? I know we just did a little off-air check-in. <laughs> yeah. Now, now a lot let's of see what we, could, what we could bring to the forefront for the people. Uh, things are good. Uh, just came back from a hometown Connecticut visit. It was supposed to snow. It did not snow. I was both kind of glad uh, as far as traveling back to Philly wise, but it would have been nice to see a little bit of that winter. Snow in the just woods. Just kiss. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. Yeah. But tra- traveling in that would be horrible. I-, I would definitely not want that one bit. No. And there was like uh, frozen rain this morning. So kind of had to wait that out as well. A lot of traffic too, or was it like- Not too bad. Okay? It was not too bad. It was a okay drive. That's good. I'm not getting stuck in, uh, in New York or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you listen to ska yeah kind of just uh, i put on the like went to like hearing like a cover and i was like oh i think this was in the movie kingpin and then i searched like oh is the kingpin soundtrack online and someone made a playlist and of course you're gonna get uh goldfinger superman i was gonna say like did you put like this the slow gherkin uh <laughs> you know uh radio station or whatever <laughs> and get no, whatever i just that came on and then I was just like, oh, like when I did Sky, like who, who still holds up? Not much for me, but uh, I went for less than Jake. Less than Jake, Boston's for me. Like that, I feel like they're like probably my, my number one that still holds up very well. Like I still listen to them pretty often. I feel like they're just such a solid band and great live band. And I, I hadn't listened to this in like 15, 20 years. Wow. Uh, and it was, it was pretty crazy. Just, you know, how you, you hear some of the stuff and it's so familiar, but. It's it's a good experience. Like every once in a while, I feel like even other music styles too, like you just go back to it and you just remember the moment that you're in it. You know what I mean? Like it just, it takes you back to that time. It is really Well, like, there's that. And, and what was interesting is like, you know, every other music I listen to, there's something that uh, they'll find a way to bum you out, but there's no, no sadness with Scott. <laughs> very little. There's very little. I mean, there's probably you gotta some. You got to try pretty hard. Yeah. I, I guess at least with, with the Less Than Jake catalog. Yeah. I, mean, I really put on Hello Rock for you, got halfway through and I'm like, all right, what else is on? But it was, <laughs> it was on a couple of songs. Yeah. No, it's, it's a good, it's a good fun time. Yeah. And I and then I went to like Toro Imoy, did all the the songs I wanted to hear from them. So there you go, less than Jake to Toro Imoy. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's the good way to go. I, I feel like you get your fill of that of that like bit of nostalgia and fun, and then you're like, okay, I'm good. Like you know, yeah. you're like, you get in that moment, you're like, okay, this is a lot of fun. And then I'm like, all right, now I'm, I'm good. Then you're like, oh shit, I missed a turn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like, need, wait, I where am I? More focused and like in the background. <laughs> Most definitely. But yeah, otherwise. Uh, been good it's been another week i don't know it's pretty it's a new year it seems. yeah it is a new year we're uh are we in, we're in february at this point right i believe we just started the month so you know we're deep in 2021 it's been great by now so far. yeah <laughs> um everything has changed the since the aliens landed in january i didn't realize that the plot of world of the worlds was actually going to just happen to us at this they point. tried to warn us yeah but you know uh, we thought H- it was fake we thought it was H- a, a radio G- show alien wells you know yeah orson wells was right it's a lot of wells are they was related that, i don't I, I think there might be like an e an extra e someone's working with that you know separates these two oh that's true this right. is but you're, you're right I, i'm sure it was remarked upon at the time like oh wow everyone's hype on this radio broadcast and this young man shares a name probably probably fooled a lot of people I oh yeah that's or- orson wells's brother a young orson <laughs> loved to fool people that's basically what acting is you know yeah the act- actor's gift is a-, a master fool and he was a magician in that um i can't think of the name of that there was a movie they did with it's in the criterion box set with all the um 
it's like head the monkey's film and the peter bogdanovich is like the there's like a whole box set but one of the films is it's like one of the one of uh, orson welles's last roles and he plays this like psychedelic magician uh-huh. and it's it's like it's ridiculous it makes absolutely no sense but like it's sure. one thing i always think about with orson welles i just think of watching this for the first time and i just have no idea what's going on in this movie whatsoever i forget who directed it but we could like, use he, this for the last episode what, what was this i it just hit me now. I, I just, I totally <laughs> forgot about it. Like just as we were talking, it just like popped in my head. Like, um, I don't think I've edited it yet. So, you know, I could uh, throw this in there. Yeah. Let, let's, let's have an artificial <laughs> editing from this and like, we'll, we'll, we'll take it out and then just, you know, manually insert it into the other one. Yeah. It's uh, I can't think of the name of the movie, but like, it's like the same box that has like easy rider and like a bunch of other, like it's a really good box set, but um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, he plays like this really ridiculous music magician in it. So he's, he's not only an Do you actor, recommend it. No, I wouldn't okay. recommend it. I and was he actually doing the magic or was it movie magic? He was, he was like dressed as music. It's been so long since I watched it. And like I said, I wasn't. Because it was terrible. It, it was like. terrible. Yeah, I just definitely, yeah. It, it definitely didn't connect. If it, it didn't come in a fucking box set, you would have never touched it. Probably not. What's um, the, I mean, how many of those movies in that box set have you rewatched? I mean, Easy Rider, of course. Great. Easy Rider. I mean, that's the one I've watched the most. It also has. The reason um, to have a box set, you know. It also the foundation. has the movie, uh, what's it called? It's called America Lost and Found, the BBS story. So it's like the um, Bob Rolfson who did um, like the monkey show and he did uh, Head, which is uh, fantastic. I would highly recommend if our listeners haven't watched that movie. It's incredible. Easy Riders in it, Five Easy Pieces, Drive, he said, A Safe Place, uh, The Last Picture Show. That's Peter Bogdanovich that I was thinking of. And The King of Marvin Gardens, which is an excellent film. A lot of Jack Nicholson in this box set because he was a part of that, that whole scene in that group. Um, but and right. he's in the King of Marvin Gardens, which I would also recommend because for people that are from or aficionados of New Jersey, um, it's all filmed in Atlantic City during a very, I, I feel like a very dilapidated and decrepit time in Atlantic City's history in the early 70s when like it was just really just grungy there. And like uh, a lot of the hotels were like in like disrepair and it's just a very and like and that's evident in the film and it really lends itself well to the to the vibe of the film. So that movie was like one of Seems like it's going back to that kind of vibe. You could almost, now's the time for a sequel. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the new king of, of Marvin Gardens. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, most of the movies I, I liked in that box set, but that I, I that one in particular uh, was probably my least favorite. And let me Sounds see like you I, got a good amount of bang for your buck on that one though. I did. I'd say like all of them, but but that one. So that this, one. this one, yeah, it's, uh, let me read. The best thing you could say about it is that it's a conversation starter because uh, exactly. I mean, talked about it. How how often do you get Orson Welles as an enchanting Central Park magician and Jack Nicholson as a mysterious ex-lover round out the cast of? I didn't mention who the the lead was, but you get the idea that it was yeah he was a magician he was a magician in Central Park and it made no sense and uh, I just I wasn't into it. I'm sure that's like most of those later Orson Welles movies like have that in common. Then you think like, oh, wow, he's a magician in this one too, huh? <laughs> and, and what food is he, uh, is he um, advertising for in this and, or drink or, you know, whatnot in this commercial? I mean, his entire career was one big advertisement. You could argue that, I think. I mean, that was really the summation of our last episode. Again, I think this is more stuff that we need to... Uh, edit out and, and, and move over to the other episode. I feel yes, like it would exactly. be pretty good. Can't get away from Orson Welles. <laughs> nope. But we're going to try because this week we are crazy for Gun Crazy. Yes. 1950s phenomenal film. I'm crazy for Gun Crazy. I love this movie every time I watch it even more and more. Uh, Same. What a fucking great ride this is. What a perfect movie. 
it's one that I think we may have mentioned it earlier. It, it, it's one of those ones that it was like, it's so visible that I, I kind of like would like push it away for a while. It's just like, oh yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Yeah. I'll get to it. I actually didn't see it until like two or three years ago myself. About the same. Yeah. Very, yeah. very re- more, more recently. Um, Which is weird. Cause it felt like it was one of those ones. Like I'll get to it as I build up the catalog more, but I, I just w- w- wasted so many movies that I could have been watching this the whole time. Exactly. And you watch it, you're like, crap like i i messed up like yeah. i i should i should have watched this earlier because it's it's fantastic it's, it's just, tough not to feel that every time you put it on and just like what a fuck up you are like exactly why uh, did i waste so trust much? me i i had that same feeling as i was watching it last night i was i i had that same exact thought i was like wow like even just purchasing a- the blu-ray like when that came for me i'm just like the print is fantastic great job warner archive um i uh, i actually watched this in connecticut though uh the trip i took it's mm-hmm. on hbo max right now oh wow um, it's the same print and it looks phenomenal that's that's awesome yeah so i didn't know it was on it's there good that it's accessible for people and uh hopefully you guys it should be watched it and playing along with us it's in the national registry so it is in uh library of congress so rightfully and there's so. actually i mean there's such a, a interesting backstory to this movie with everyone involved really other than the director but i mean his interest his level of interest comes in with just what a great job he did with this movie and it's definitely and really he did well another, directed he did another film noir that i absolutely love called my name is julia ross okay um and arrow released that a couple years ago and that part looks really good and that's we want to talk about a lean film. I think that I think it's like an hour and eight minutes or something like that. It, it's oh, it's wow. it's it's pretty lean, but it is wild, man. I I That's, hope at some point we get we'll to do it because it's fantastic. I think it'll it'll come around. Yeah, There's I, so I definitely movies. recommend it. <laughs> yes, for sure. And uh, while it was credited to Millard Kaufman and McKinley Cantor, it's actually written by blacklisted writer Dalton Trumbo, which is a fun fact about it. Correct. Uh, he was one of the Hollywood 10 who were blacklisted by the studios for the refusal to testify and name names. Name names. As we always hear uh, from the House Un-American Activities Committee or HUAC. HUAC. HUAC you also always hear. It sounds evil. It. it sounds like such like an evil robot, you know, the man behind the curtain, <laughs> like, I am HUAC. Or this, your like, communist names. It's like this robot and it has like, it has it like, H period, U period, like it's just like across like its chest and like, yeah. like what is this? Why is there an acronym on there? Yeah, he definitely advertises HUAC. Yes, the, the HUAC robot, <laughs> which is basically McCarthy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my God, this what a great sketch this would be. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like it's, it's kind of writing itself right now. And I, I am I, McCarthy bot, HUAC 3000. Are you a communist? <laughs> are you or have you ever been a member of the communist party? I feel like this needs to be a bit at some yes. point. I, I feel like this is another, yeah, yet another side side well, thing that we need to do. So. Well, we'll get it. We're going to learn animation. I mean, we learn podcasts and we're doing a phenomenal job. So, I think so. so uh, Amateur I, podcasting. I mean, we're prof- it's pretty professional level. Yeah, I, I feel like yeah. I, I I think we started off as amateurs and now and, and now we're, we're you know you, it's just like you sign up for the amateur because of course they're going to be like you can't be pro. We've never heard of you, but we'd like smoke that competition. We did like some crazy kick flips and we did a, we did a marathon with batons and stuff yeah like that. we had, we, we had our detour skateboard and uh you know we we grinded some rails and we got some mad sponsorships you some, some ollies and 
we ollied ourselves into the noir footwear and uh, it's great. We wore f- fedoras um, while we did that, by the way. I guess I should probably mention that. I mean, that was kind of implied. Yeah, but I, I feel you like it You could hear adds. a fedora in a person's tone of voice. I mean, that's why like by episode three, my sound quality got so much better. It's the fedora. That's true. Yeah. It finally came in the mail. I was hoping people would make that connection. Like They will. The I'm going to leave it yeah. to them. You know, okay. By now they've had a chance to gossip and uh, they got it. They got the prize. Great. Millard Kaufman uh, was nominated two times for Academy Award for screenwriting. The first one was a 1953 war film called Take the High Ground! Exclamation mark. Mm-hmm. And uh, a 1955 Western noir called Bad Day at Black Rock starring Spencer Tracy. I've heard of that, but never seen it. That would be I think one I, I'd like to I, see. I also had never seen that. And uh, I was like, oh, that might be a good episode. So uh, we'll go on the record. We'll get to that. Um, and he was also one of the creators... Uh, of Mr. Magoo. Oh, wow. A popular cartoon, Old Blind Man, uh, who was created one year earlier before this film was made in 1949. Wow. Uh, And then the co-author of Credit, uh, who, again, these were all people who fronted their names, Mm -hmm. uh, volunteered their names in in place of good man Trumbo. Did you ever watch that Trumbo movie? I did. I saw it in the theater. Um, Is it good? I liked it. Yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't say it's anything like earth-shattering. I found out that we share a birthday. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So um, I liked it. I mean, I thought the acting was good and it was interesting, but it was, you know, it was that a biopic. Cranston? Yes, Cranston. Cranston. He did a good job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like him. I, I think he's good. It's definitely worth a watch. I, I think if, you know, again, another- you miss, uh, you miss Cranston doing comedy? I do. I feel like he's proved himself. It's time to unprove the, the, the seriousness and let's have some laughs. Yeah, I think, you know, I think at this point, we know that he's a very dynamic actor. So I, I feel yeah. like as, as much as- as but does he know that comedy, we know? I mean, I told him that the other day, so I, 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 I think good. he knows. I told you to pass that along, and I know you've been slacking on this. I appreciate I know. It. It's, I it's a hard him. thing to bring up, so. New year, new me. Yeah, exactly. New, new me talking to, to Brian like, Cranston. Yo, again. Cranston, 2021, motherfucker. Let's bring the, the chuckles back. What was he in that was really good that, I, that he was like one of my favorite actors? I think it was, he was in Argo, right? Yeah, I think it was. He was. Yeah, he was really good in Argo. yeah. And that was like super. He was dramatic. hilarious. He was hilarious in Argo. Yeah, he was really the comic relief. It, was, it wasn't Alan Arkin or uh, John Goodman. It was definitely. Remember when he was uh, in his underwear and he was yelling from Malcolm? <laughs> and he slipped on a banana peel because that's yeah. obviously the physical comedy that you would get in a in a movie about. Slipped that. right back in the middle. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I didn't see Trumbo. We'll see. It's worth a watch. I, I would is say, it? It is worth a watch. Rush. Yeah. Don't don't. I wouldn't say ru- don't rush out and see it, but uh, you know. If, if you see it available and it's like a free stream, like, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd recommend a watch. It's worth actually like making the effort to, to stream, to click play, not even just like a flip through and see if it's on. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think if you're interested in the time period, I think that's, I think that was the allure for me. I was interested in the time period and just like of the, the moment in, in. Didn't like Cranston not... direct that movie? That's a good question. I don't. I feel like it was a real passion project. I could be wrong about that, but let me look. You often are wrong, Dan. I am often. No, you know who directed it? Okay, wait. I, all right, I knew it was at least someone spicy, but I will redirect okay. also that wrong comment back to myself. I, I think I'm you might humbled. be surprised, honestly. So it was. It was. Wait, wait, Give me, a, give me like an initial, first initial of the first name. J. J. I'll give right. you. I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint of of a famous character of a film series that he directed. Yeah, baby. 
Oh, Roach, Roach, yeah. Jay Roach. Yep. Jay Roach. Also did meet the, meet I guess the parents. I'm, I guess I'm not that surprised by that fucking hack. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I, I will say this. I have a, I have a sweet, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a sweet spot for me in uh, Austin Powers movies. I will always love those movies. They're so ridiculous. First one was a, a fun time. And uh, didn't you the like- second one's fun. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the third one, hmm, gold, gold member. I think that's at least agreed upon that that one's just shit. There's a couple like really funny moments in that movie, but it's very few far in between. Like there's a couple moments that like I get a laugh, but definitely the worst one. I can see Jay Roach being like a nice guy. Yeah. And you have to like, I'm kind of glad we're in our position where we're not friends with Jay Roach. So we could be like, yeah, I didn't really like it. He's it's doing good. a lot of those like serious movies now these days, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. I think I think Trumbo might have been one of the first. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, right before that, his last movie before Trumbo was The Campaign, which was still like a satire. Was Cranston in Dumbo? Are you talking about Operation Dumbo Drop? No, remember they did that Dumbo remake? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd be happy to talk about Operation Dumbo Drop, where they drop (laughs) an elephant from the sky, but... Uh, Let's see. I'm talking about the Operation Dumbo Drop that Disney implemented on theaters a couple years back. So that was directed by Tim Burton. I did know that, yes. But uh, isn't Cranston in that? Oh. Because I really want to go from Trumbo to Dumbo here. He is not. Okay. Uh, Colin Sorry. Farrell, Michael Keaton, Danny DeVito, Alan Keaton. Arkin. You know, I was thinking, I was thinking Keaton. It was Batman all along. It was. It was. It always is. <laughs> so it always comes back to Batman. But anyway, we digress. <laughs> Batman, we digress. the animated series, now on HBO Max. Even though you should own that Blu-ray. If we're hyping blues, if we're hyping blues, how do you not have Batman the animated series, the greatest cartoon of all time? I will say also, that. I'm probably not well-versed in the show. I remember watching it a little bit when I was a kid, but Mask of the Phantasm. Mask of the Phantasm's the great. That, that was the in, one that I liked. That comes in the set. Uh, and oh. also, you should, you should watch this series now that it's on. Give it a shot. I could give you some, uh, some noir suggestion episodes. This cool. is very... I'm into that. I mean, Batman was always my favorite. Like, I, I, of, like the, I'd say of superheroes, like, I'm not a huge superhero guy in general, but Batman was the one I always liked. I think sure. Batman had like a, like a certain vibe. I think it was part of that element. I think it was like the noir vibe, the, you know, the 30s, 40s vibe. And like, it was more grounded. I think as, as ridiculous as it is, but I'd say like comparative to like Superman or also like Superman just never, I never really got into Superman at all. But Batman always like- Christopher I Reeves does nothing for you? No, I just, I never really Let's liked- yeah, never those movies, but like any Batman movie, like I would go see. Like, like I, I feel like it, that's like a no questions asked for me. Like, I, I, if it was Batman, like yeah, I would be at least willing to to watch it. Like versus Superman, I'd be like, yeah, I'm Batman. Exactly. I mean, watch I even movie. watched yeah the uh, the newer ones. Even though the first time I remember watching uh, with uh, what's his name Christian Bale, I was like, is he really going to talk like that every time <laughs> he becomes Batman? <laughs> I was I uh, I was an extra on the last Batman movie of that trilogy. The- Were you really? Yeah, The Dark Knight Rises. There's a scene where they are at the football field, Heinz Stadium in Pittsburgh, is where mm-hmm. it's filmed. Yeah. Uh, and Bane comes in, and there was 60 explosions set off, which was fun to see IRL. But that was the first time I got to hear the Bane voice. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, and that was very much like, oh, so this, this is what we're doing, huh? Came all wow. this way for that. And he... Um, auctioned off a car in full Bane costume afterwards. It was very comical. <laughs> did he do like the auctioneer voice where he did it really like, like fast? He was, he was regular Tom Hardy by that point, but it was okay. still like with the mask on. And he was like, number 42, you know, <laughs> come on down. That's great. No, I, I, I like that movie. That movie was fun. I, I yeah. there's, a, there's moments, but man, those, as time goes on, those are just uh, hard to rewatch. There, there's, there's Whereas such a- I'm putting on like fucking Batman and Robin 
nonstop because there's I, a certain I want to laugh, man. I want to have fun. I think it's the you know I appreciate those movies because they have a, that comic book world and and the 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 Dark Knight newer ones have the same vibe as all like the, it's like the competition to the Marvel movies. Like they're all they all they all kind of blend together. To me like I mean one of my favorite movies of all time of like sci-fi comic books of is Flash Gordon like the Ace of Flash Gordon movie. Oh hell and yeah. like I love that movie and I love the aesthetic of it. I love the cinematography. And that's what, when I think of like a, like a, a good superhero movie that I want to watch, I think of that, like I think of like the imagination of it and like the, the, the vibe of it is just as important as, as what's going on. In camp. In, I think yeah, I love camp. camp. Right. You, you kind of, um, I don't like it when they're, it's like, like, Hey, you know, my name is like this guy. And they're like, this guy really like, ah, right. you know, like making fun of itself. You know, you kind of have right. to just, be, be in the world and you're you know you're doing it and have some fun with right it. and that's what and I, I think that's why i love dick tracy like i think that was kind of like one of my i think i didn't mention that earlier but that might have been my earliest like i don't know if i would consider it film noir but like i feel like that was where i i guess i first was exposed to that kind of vibe of like you know the gangsters and and because i watched that when it came out when i was a kid and i, I just i really love that movie um is ninja turtle is the 90s teenage mutant ninja turtles like neo-noir I feel like that would be a, that would be another good conversation for that because I, I mean I love those movies too. Um, There's just yeah. a cool like darkness, but it's also like very like color, you know, like I, I just that '90s cinematography that is the sweet spot for me. Like, I will I tell know, you that what, movie man, looks great. I watched the, I rewatched that the first one not that long ago, and I, I'll tell you that movie holds up so well. Holds up so good. That it's was the first so movie good. I ever saw in theaters. Um, and I'm I'm still glad, happy about it. I'm glad that that one is the is the one. That's quite you, that's quite. A you want to return to to a good one because I think the second one was like Problem Child. And when's the last time I saw that? That's a, that's a tough sell for me at this point. I mean, I watched the I watched both those movies when I was a kid, but I, I don't. Yeah, yeah, totally. I don't know if I, yeah, that, that's not it's, it's it's that's definitely a come down I think from 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 <laughs> from uh, the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So yeah, but do you want to know something related to that? Um, yes. McKinley Cantor wrote the short story of Gun Crazy um, that the movie was based on. It was in the Saturday Evening Post. It was. I did. I did hear that. That's awesome. Much like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, first appeared in the Saturday Evening Post. See, folks, we have a point to all to all of this. <laughs> That's not true. Uh, <laughs> not not really. But it, it 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 does sometimes come together really nicely. You have to know when to lie and like make a bit of it, and then other things we're like, oh wait, if people hear this, I need to know them to know that I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> comics is one of them yeah so that was fun and it was also uh usually when we do these i mean everything's been based on a story so far we're we're struggling to find one that's coming out of the blue straight to the screenwriters typewriter but we're mm-hmm. working on it but this is the first time uh the title remained gun crazy the yes. whole time what a perfect title it's definitely that sensational like eye-catching name like you know they're trying to like create like at least a little bit of a stir with, yeah. with that i'm sure i'm sure and i wonder how much of that, that is in the short story because like definitely like in the dialogue it's it is kind of like that it kind of comes into play like that whole like gun obsession right and like the, i don't know just lines of dialogue like are very gun punny <laughs> yeah but i i think it, it never feels too much to me like like no no no, I, no I, as not. someone that's like not like i'm not into guns whatsoever but like uh, it's it, and that's why I think partly I was just like I think that's probably why I pushed off for so long because I was just like I was very just like ah oh, you know it's it's I'm a not film, crazy but... about guns yeah exactly but I, exactly I was just like whatever I'll, I'll get around to it and then like watching I'm like okay like it makes sense you know within the the story and and it, it doesn't feel like it's it's too much like it makes yeah. sense the the beginning of it makes sense for the rest of the movie and, yeah. and and I think that's what's important about it 
Absolutely. So Cantor uh, wrote more than 30 novels and most of them were set in the Civil War and he won a Pulitzer Prize for fiction in 1956 for his novel Andersonville. And uh, he has, if you go to his Wikipedia page, some delightful photos. Uh, he looks like just a good, good time guy. <laughs> Not like these noir writers usually look like. Um, one of those good time guys. One of those good time guys, you know, uh, you know the type. There's, there's a pipe involved. Spoiler, you, you're, you're familiar with <laughs> Yeah, um, I, so these are the guys who are like, we wrote this, but they're really just looking after their old pal Trumbo. And uh, this one actually wasn't until 1992 that it was revealed that he was behind this film. Yeah, that's crazy. That is so crazy. Uh, I couldn't imagine. I mean, there's films that uh, won Oscars that he was attached to that he couldn't use his name. And they address that in the movie, in the, in the Trumbo movie. So I, I feel like you would that, probably... Yeah, I, I does Gun like, Crazy yeah. come up in Trumbo? I think it does. Okay. I, I mean, granted... I saw it when it came out in theaters and that was five years ago. So I've, I've seen so many movies since then that like little, little details sometimes will escape you. Cranston looks nothing like Trumbo also. Yeah, he doesn't really look like him. I know that's not a big deal, but. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, some basic features, I think enough that it's not like, I think too detracting or distracting, but yeah, he doesn't really look that much like him. No. Gun Crazy was originally set to be distributed by Monogram Pictures, who was one of the Poverty Row uh, studios. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then it actually happened to go to United Artists. Yep. Um, which it seems like it was lucky enough to do. It didn't end up in the, the Poverty Row line. It's weird because you kind of, those are cool movies and they're, they're fun quality, but it's it's fun to see one succeed. Because, I mean, it very much feels like one. Yeah, it does. But it, but the production value is great. I, I think, you know, it, it, it feels like, it feels weird because it is, you know, is such a quintessential B-movie when you yeah. think about it. But it's also like, like I said, the, the, the production value is there and, it, and and the camera works fantastic throughout the Absolutely. entire movie. And just, yeah. Yeah, no, and, and there's there's cool direction. We'll get into some stuff. Um, it yeah. was made for four hundred thousand dollars for thirty days in nineteen forty. Wow, yeah, it's a bargain. It is a bargain. Uh, Veronica Lake was originally the first choice for Annie Laurie Star. I do love Veronica Lake. That would have been that, interesting. That would have been interesting. But she does. But but Peggy I Cummings, wonder, like, if it was like a first choice of like you know like hey we got her on the line or like you know hey wouldn't it be great if we could get Veronica Lake? Like Veronica Lake. Everyone was saying that. Yeah, I wonder. But I, I, I think about like, would she have done well in this role? Like, like obviously now, like, I mean, that's, you know, we're so far removed from it. But like, I feel like Peggy Cummings does such a great job in the role that I don't know if yeah. I could see Veronica Lake playing that same role. I don't know if it no, would and, and Veronica Lake kind of has some versatility, whereas I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm not too familiar with Peggy Cummings' other yeah. roles. But I mean, I, I'm already typecasting her from this one. Like, she, she's this role. I mean, it's yes. incredible. For sure. And and I feel like oh, I know we'll get to it, but the chemistry between her and and John Dahl's character uh, Bart, who's the, basically I would say is the main character, uh, is interesting. And and I love the when they meet that whole that whole sequence is one of my favorite scenes in the in the movie. I have a great uh, quote from uh, director Joseph H. Lewis. Uh, oh yeah who revealed his instructions to the actors of how to interact with one another. Do you know this quote? I don't think so. Okay, this is the quote. Uh, He said, I told John, quote, your cock's never been so hard. And I told Peggy, quote, you're a female dog in heat and you want him, but don't let him have it in a hurry. Keep him waiting. (laughs) That's exactly how I talk to them and I turn them loose. I didn't have to give them more directions. Wow. Yeah. That's a good time. I have never heard that quote. That's, that is crazy. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, I'll say that. that and as soon as I read that, I'm just like, yeah, that, I see it. It's in, that's direction, man. That's, and yeah, yeah. And action. Yeah. There's definitely, yeah. You definitely get a spark with those two for sure. Like I, as far as like what they're portraying on the screen when they first meet is in particular, like you see that. 
there. Yeah. You see there, there's that mutual, you know, they see in each other that, that, you know, it's that, I think it's a whole kind of idea of the film is like the relationship between like this violence and love or this like sexualization of it. Like, I think it's like the, you know, the intertwined, you know, how intertwined it becomes uh, in certain instances and in this case, especially in this movie. Um, yeah. And I feel like that's probably a lot of that, you know, he was really trying to portray that. And I think, I think it does come through. I know yeah. we're getting, jumping ahead, but yeah. I, I no, think we're, about, we're, gonna, we're, we're hitting the plot for now. Our fun facts are mostly. A lot of good fun facts. For now though. we could sprinkle them. Yeah, I decided to do a little research this time. <laughs> <laughs> a little research can go a long way. So uh, we instantly start with a flashback. Usually we're, we're from the future in these things, but we're, we're taking it back to the past and we're kind of just building some motivations, which is fun. You get a 14-year-old Bart Tare, who's our main character, played by a Rusty Tamblin. Uh, Russ Tamblin, as people would know him these days. That was fun to see him uh, as a little lad back then. Before Twin Peaks, yeah. Before Twin Peaks, instantly recognizable. He's going to steal a gun and uh, it's pouring rain. Love it. Great, great opening sequence. Great opening sequence. He smashes the hole and then like tries to cover it for a second. That was fun. Yeah. Um, and then he runs away and then he uh, has a nice wet fall on his ass. Love that. And the sheriff is, is right there waiting for him and picks up the gun. So yeah. you, you get that. It's like he's like, oh, I'm in trouble. He's basically like he's in trouble from, you know, he didn't get very far. <laughs> Would you say um, that like kind of guns are like a character in the story, like a third character? main character interesting I, I you know what i hadn't thought about it that way but yeah i i could see that i mean i'm, I'm trying to do like that like new york is like a character in the movie bit with this with, with guns yeah i i think it's i mean it's a huge part of it i mean like the, the, oh, there's yeah. and it does affect it is really an ex- extension of of the character of those characters whether it's its own character I, I don't know but it's definitely like more for me i would say an extension of the character because you see later on how is there a level of restraint with it is I feel like Lori's character tends to be a little bit more forward and, and she goes and does more with the gun versus what he does. And he's a little bit more straight and more like, you know, they both have a different relationship with the gun, um, but they both have the same talent. Yes. We'll get to that. So he commits the crime, he gets busted. And then we're in the courtroom, a, a noir trope as we're finding. I love that courtroom. And there's a diner later on, too. There uh, is, we, yeah. We, we keep, like, the diner tally It's weird, because, like, I mean, like, that, you know, restaurants pop up often. Like, that does feel like a trope. But, man, just all these with a courtroom in a, in a row is, is so wild. Courtrooms it, and diners, man. Starting I, to feel like courtrooms and diners. Watching noir, aren't we? Maybe we should have changed our name of our podcast to that, Courtrooms and Diners. Yeah, it's not too late. <laughs> <laughs> Only a few episodes in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but, by the way, by the way, we're completely rebranding and we edited that they have no idea (laughs) hopefully by that point um and the courtroom scene's great it just kind of gives a nice backstory for bart um his sister his older sister ruby kind of comes and and tells the story of how you know when he first got a bb gun and and there's uh him on the farm and there's some baby chicks and a chicken and he aims at the chick and kills it and it just instantly breaks his heart and realizes like yeah i don't murder is not for me right and that becomes a theme throughout the rest yeah of the film, you know, I, it, everything's just stage. so well set up um, yes motivation wise uh it's a rock solid script definitely you know this guy should have been proud of it i don't know why i didn't put his name on it <laughs> yeah yeah why why wouldn't he want his name on it it's crazy uh and then his two friends as well uh dave and clyde they come in and they tell a story about um how they're out and there's a mountain lion that they saw that there was even like a warrant out for its arrest, I guess, or for its capture. For its capture, yeah. Was yeah. it going to Puma Jail? But <laughs> Puma. <laughs> that sounds like a good band name. Yeah, Puma Jail. Oh, who are you going to see? I'm going to see Puma Jail. <laughs> you get the new uh, Puma Jail. Yeah, hey, that could be my new side project. 
there it is. New album <laughs> coming out Tuesday or Friday. No, I'm sorry. I'm old. So, but it's still, none of these stories are good enough. The judge is like, yeah, he's got to go to reform school, which um, then leads him to the army. Mm-hmm. And then he returns home as a, as an older man. Yep. Now played by, what's that guy? Said? John, uh, John Dahl. Dahl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. John Dahl. Uh, who's awesome. I love John yeah. Dahl. Good, good range. Uh, I kind of might even like him more than Peggy Cummins in this, actually. There's more dynamic to him, I think. That, I think she, she plays it. I mean, she plays it well, but I think her character doesn't seem as well. There's not as much there, I think, for her as there is for him. I should give that every, Yeah, I mean, definitely there's more backstory with him. And, and right. uh, you need it because he has something that holds him back. Right. But I don't know. Just he, he has... he's. A great actor. Um, yes, he's he emotes with his face. I don't know. You just you just feel feel what he's pulling off. Yeah, and you see, he's he's definitely like you know more mature, and he you know it seems like he's kind of like a little bit more centered, a little bit more grounded from what they try to portray. It's him, and they go out and they kind of ha- hang out, and then say like, oh, let's let's go hang out and go to the go to the carnival. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, I have in my carny notes here that carnivals look fun. It looked like a great time. Yeah, I, I mean they were they were a huge thing, uh, you know, at that time in particular. Like that was, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, a small town like that, there wasn't a lot of built-in entertainment. So if like that came around, I think people were pretty psyched. I mean, obviously, oh, absolutely, carnivals, I mean, carnivals still come around today, but I don't know. It's if not get the that. same. Yeah, yeah, I don't think people get. I mean, there's obviously a million other things people could do now, but back in the day, they. You know, as far as entertainment goes, you know, it, it, I'd say it was rather limited. So I, that was like a big, exciting thing. And certainly like there's no gun show. You can't have a ticket to the gun show. You know I did I mean? see a carnival a couple years back with like wrestling. That was interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. And I mean, it was like real low key. It wasn't even like a, a popular carnival, but uh, it, yeah, that was interesting. You um, sure you just didn't witness two people fighting? <laughs> yeah, I just went into a, stumbled into a tent and just saw a fight. Yeah. Uh, a couple of notes also I, I want to say is um, there was a shot earlier, like uh, when he was a kid of his fist as the gun fires and it like shakes in fear mm-hmm. um, when they're in the woods, which is really cool. Um, and then also they show him they he's in school and he has a gun and they try to take it away. They're like, you know, obviously now that is very jarring. Right. Exactly. Like, no, 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 it's like, you. it's okay that you brought a gun to school, which is not right. You know, like it's very like, it's, it's okay, but. Yeah, like all, I mean, at least the, I think the, the, the teachers were like definitely shot by it, but the kids were all like, oh, what is that? Like, they're all yeah. like, oh, like, but even this? the teacher wasn't just like, you know, it was more just like, don't bring this to school as a person. Yeah. Like, this is, terrifying. you're in trouble, yeah. mister. <laughs> you're never coming back. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, um, he, you see that early attachment, like, I mean, between yeah. the, the desperation of him, you know, going to the hardware store and breaking in, you know, he's bringing it to school with him. He's got this connection to, yes. to the gun. And it's, but it's also not, for murder it's just kind of nope. a part of him and he just feels whole with it yes so at, we're at the carnival and then we get annie's introduction mm-hmm. and she has maybe one of the best femme fatale entrances ever um, oh yes they never usually it's like you know some glamorous shot but she just comes in fucking shooting yeah <laughs> ladies and gentlemen as owner and manager of packets carnival it is i myself who present to you the famous the dangerous the beautiful Miss Sandy Laurie Starr, direct from London, England, and the capitals of the continent. Before whose remarkable marksmanship, the greatest pistol and rifle shots in America have gone down to defeat. So, here she is, ladies and gentlemen. So appealing, so dangerous, so lovely to look at. The darling of London, England, Miss Annie Laurie Starr. (laughs) 
guns a blazing and, and a great great costume the, yeah uh, the, the the cowgirl costume yeah it's just really there's great costumes throughout um when they're doing some of these crimes and there's all the disguises they, they oh have, yeah and sometimes not uh, at all yeah <laughs> the, i mean but sometimes like, just like a ball cap or like just glasses sunglasses uh, yeah. yeah but it's it's a lot of fun uh, costume department really did a good job definitely uh, also it was just like <laughs> if you're working that carnival on the like if you're the lady who has to like put the balloon in her mouth to get shot out at like those first couple of shifts have got to be pretty brutal, right? I that I think that's part of why I love that. I mean, that scene sets up so much for the rest of the movie, and it's just a great, well shot, the great, great idea. Like everything about it, is, it's executed perfectly, in, in my opinion. But yeah, I think it's just the suspense of you know it really draws you in. Like the, I remember the first time I watched it, like that was like one of the things that really stood out to me. Like watching it, yeah. like that really sucked me into the movie. It's not, it's relatively early on, but it's still a little ways into the movie. And well, it's a quick like, movie. Yeah. Um, this one's under an hour and a half. Um, yeah. I don't know. Something about these quick ones really seem to, to pull it off. You want to just get right to the point. But yeah, yeah I mean, we kinda, we're kind of like Bart, where we're drawn into and we're kind of alert of just like, oh, wow, look at this. Yeah. We have our gun equal. Exactly. Like you definitely see like, and you start seeing like he gets more interested, like the friends kind of look at each other like, oh, wow, he's, you know, he's into her. So um, far out of all the movies we watched, like this is the best couple, I think. It's just, I feel like they're, they're truly equals. Yes. Um, and there's just kind of like one small thing that divides them. I mean, I guess I shouldn't say small because it's dividing them greatly. But um, yeah, I don't know. There's just such a mutual respect for each other the whole time. And like they both recognize that they need each other and they're the only ones that really understand each other. Right to a fault and and yeah i think it's it's really that idea of like they're, they're as much as they're so close there's that one thing that makes them kind of polar opposites i think it's just the yeah. idea of like this, 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 I, I don't know if i want to go this far but the good evil aspect of it like i feel like it's it's that's kind of the message of of the divide between the the, the two of them absolutely i mean it's if you're able to kind of do with the gun what the gun is meant to do mm-hmm. you know or if you're just using it for your talents and you, know, you just kind of understand them but you're not trying to hurt anybody right exactly the bart style um so they there's kind of like a challenge of they have a wager they, there's like a they who's the guy uh the ringleader oh that guy had a he had like a it was like a nickname i wish i had it up. packet packet yeah packet packet's kind of like hey come on up anyone want to challenge her you know and obviously who could she's incredible she just showed <laughs> she basically could have murdered this woman and didn't. I think that's why they put the stakes so high. They kept, they like doubled their normal thing because they're like, oh, you know, no one no one could beat her. But then look who's in the crowd. Bart himself and his friends help him out with a, uh, some gambling money and he goes up there and shows off his stuff and they're in love. Do you, do you think that she missed on purpose? Yes. I do too, yeah. Absolutely. Because she I, missed I, on, on the last one. I think it is up for debate, but I think that ultimately yeah she did do it on purpose but you see that there's there, there is like the instant attraction is there and even as she's kind of getting ushered off by packet bart's already trying to ask her out on a date like they oh, just yeah. kind of met he's already just like i, I mean I, that's I, the I'm only way he could, you know that's his pickup line that's the only way he could get up there and, and you know shoot and do it not pun intended um, yeah i suppose we ought to wait for him certainly not hey bart we'll see you in the next tent hmm? oh oh sure what else do you do besides shoot it's been enough so far. Got a job? No, no, not yet. Maybe you have. How about it, Packy? You can always use a good man, can't you? I might be able to use you. How much do you pay? We'll talk about that. When do you leave town? Monday. Got a car? No. He can ride in mine. 
You can ride with Bluey Bluey. Glad to have you with us. Maybe I can see you later. Why not? So he's like, yeah, I'm going to, I'll come along. I'm a carny now. It's the only way yep. we could really be together. And he's a sharpshooter on the carny circuit as well. Yep. He's, he's, he's tagging along with the clown. <laughs> and so he tells Packett, he's like, yeah, I, uh, I like Lori or Annie. So many different names for her. Yeah. I think he mostly calls her Lori. I think, I think it becomes Lori. Yeah. Yeah. I guess he liked that one better. Fair enough. I mean, it's good to have <laughs> options, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so whatever, Lori, whatever mood you're in. Yeah. Uh, Bart tells Packy, he's like, hey, Lori's got the goods. I mean, look at us. We're a couple of sharpshooters, just star-crossed. And <laughs> star-crossed. Uh, star-crossed sharpshooters. sharpshooters, yeah. You know, I, I'm, I like her. I'm going to ask her out. And Packy's like, well, you know, she's with me. So, no. Yeah. And uh, so that's, that's good enough for Bart to, to back off. And then he goes back in and, and they have a conversation, him, him and Lori, Peck and Lori. And that's a great scene. Mm. Uh, kind of instantly you get more of a feel for Lori uh, where she just kind of sees and she's like, you know, you're not with me. You're a fucking chump and I'm with this guy now. That's a real yeah, man. She wants out for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, she wants more. I saw the two of you where you're looking at each other tonight. Like a couple of wild animals. Almost scared me. Should. He's a man. Honey, I'll make money like you want me to. Big money. But it takes time. You've got to give me time. You'll never make big money. You're a two-bit guy. Honey, listen. No guts, nothing. I want action. And this is where we kind of first heard that she has committed murder before. That They had killed someone in St. Louis, I believe? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after that, uh, you know, Packet tries to get a move with Lori and Bart happens to come in and shoots the mirror and not him. You know, just enough to give a scare, but that's enough to get fired. You don't want to break the property. Right. You it's know, fireball offense. Shoot at balloons, leave my mirrors alone, you know? Exactly. I just put a deposit down on this glass. Um, <laughs> so they, they take off. Um, they head to Vegas. It doesn't seem to work out there for them. I mean, you know, they really even only head to Vegas in, in conversation. Like we don't see it. But you, you get they get married first, and I think that there's an interesting scene where yes, at the um the desert ju- justice yes the justice place, of the peace yeah get a that cocktail and, and married that place looked fun as hell it did um that I I I I like that scene because you know you know it, everything's moving so fast and he kind of like. He, he asked her to marry him, and then th- he's the one that kind of prompts it, and she's like, yeah, let's, let's do it. And they yeah, you can still tell he's, this, you know, he's a, a proper boy. You right. know, it's really the gun that gets him in trouble, but he's still trying to do the right thing. Exactly, and I think that's what he tries to voice to, to her, and she kind of is saying like... Yeah, because he's like, oh, we got to find like a, a justice of the peace or something like that. Right, right. Uh, and, she, and she's definitely into it, but he, once he kind of admits that he's like, he he's kind of like on the good side you know the good side of things doesn't want to you know stray too far away and she's kind of like well i have a pretty bad history but i want to to do good and be better try to be good yes um but i've never been much good at least up to now i haven't you aren't getting any bargain i'm doing all right but i've got a funny feeling that i want to be good i don't know maybe i can't but i'm gonna try I'll try hard, but I'll try. Which, uh, hey, you know what? She gave a heads up. 
Yeah. I mean, they were, they were honest. I like, yes. I appreciate the honesty. They were, they were always honest with each other. Um, yeah. And at, that, that is what's so fascinating about it. So they're saying, you know what? Uh, this isn't going to work out. We need to start committing crimes. So they hold up some, some stores and gas stations, but it's not really enough. So the first one's bigger. great. The, the yeah. way it starts with the, when he shoots the um, gumball <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, display right, right at the, the counter. I think it's a hotel. And uh, yeah, that, that was, that's great. It's just very jarring for lack of no, a better very word. Very well filmed. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, they, they end up robbing a bank and this, this sequence is the money sequence. Oh yeah. The, um, film, the, the rear, the rear shot of the, of the, the car where they're in it. And yep, and, it's all uh, one take, one long yes. take. Um, all the actors were improvising during that. Oh really? Yeah. That's they, all they had. Um, the only direction we were is just to, you know, drive around and had them keep it fresh and, and, it was great. At it. And uh, yeah, you can kind of tell where it's like, oh, just turn over here, you know, but yeah, it, it feels very natural. Um, yeah. And just like, yeah, like the way like the camera kind of zooms from like the backseat and just, it almost looks like it's taking away like the, the letter bars. Exactly. Yeah. It's going it's from fantastic. widescreen. Uh, yeah. It's, it's just beautifully shot and directed. So he goes in um, and then there's a cop that kind of comes out that she has to distract. She's wearing the full... Calgary costume yes. and uh, yeah, and, they're both in costume. This yeah, is one yeah. of the many disguises, but this is the best one. I love when they're in the cowboy costumes. Yep, and she does a good job distracting them. Yeah, even though uh, Bart is kind of mad, like, "Why'd you get out of the car?" It's like, "Well, didn't you see that dude there?" Like, yeah, <laughs> like what was I supposed like, to that do? Could be helped. Yeah, I know. They escape, um, and there's some some people after them, some cops after them, and there's a roadblock. Uh, there is a roadblock, <laughs> and uh, she wants him to shoot at them. And this is where he's, you know, really having trouble with that because he, he won't kill. Shoot! Why don't you shoot? I guess we all should, should, we didn't mention it, but uh, I, I like the setup that they do where they are smart in that they, they steal a guy's car and then hide their actual car so they, their, their car doesn't get traced. Yeah. So, so they hide their car and then so they, they kidnap this guy. Has she done the solo, the solo where she like kind of hitchhiked um, by herself and got yes. that guy? Yeah, and then she like, she killed that guy. Well, mm, I don't think so. Don't so we she, see his body? Does she? Where they do like the car switch, he's like right there. He's like, who's like, who's that? Well, they took. Oh, off, he's not going to California or whatever. They took off the the tape off his mouth, but I don't remember her killing him. Okay, he might be that. Might they kind of just they. Well, no, what happened was she threw him on in the the side of the road in a ditch, and then uh-huh. she shot out one of his tires, so right. he could so he couldn't chase him. So I don't think she would have killed him okay. because she just wanted to slow him down so they he wouldn't go and tell the cops or whatever. So I, I think he I think he probably right. he was still tied up, but he just I'm surprised she didn't kill him. She was trying to be good. Yeah. She, she, I mean, that, that for her is trying to be good. I, I feel like if, if anything, I guess that's, you know, some progress. <laughs> but yeah, I, I wanted to mention that because I, I think the setup is really good. The, the, the whole setup before the bank robbery, like they had it kind of plotted out and they knew that their getaway and they had even a costume as they're trying to be like this very like milk toast couple. It's like, oh, what's happening? Like, oh. when they have the glasses on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they're like driving back into town. Like, oh, I live right near there. And so they're they, like, oh yeah, let's move along. Things are falling apart at this point. Um, 
you know, she said that, you know, she's like, I told you I was no good and I've been kicked around and I'm, I'm doing some kicking back now. And then, you know, even he's having his doubts and there's that great scene where she's like, you know, like I'm yours and I'm real, you know, maybe the rest is a nightmare. Everything's going so fast. It's, it's, it's all in such high gear that sometimes it doesn't feel like me. So it makes sense. When do you think all this? Oh, nights. I wake up sometimes. It's as if none of it really happened, as if nothing were real anymore. Next time you wake up, Bart, look over at me lying there beside you. I'm yours, and I'm real. Yes, but you're the only thing that is, Laurie. The rest is a nightmare. Yeah, no, the, yeah, the, when they're in that, like, hotel room and, uh, and like, she's kind of, like, trying to get him to, to keep going and because and he can sell that he's, like, really, like, I don't, it's, like, I mean, the money keeps running out and I get, they, they're trying to do this to obviously self-propel themselves, but, like, he really doesn't want to have any part of it. Like, he's, like, oh, I'll sell my guns, like, I'll, you know, I'll get a job, like, I'll, you know, he's yeah, trying he's, to he's be on the straight the and narrow. sacrifices. Yeah, yeah exactly. he wants to be on the straight and narrow and, and she keeps, every time he tries to get away, they keep, she's <laughs> pulling him back in. yeah. So she, yeah, she pulls him back in with one last uh, heist and it's at a payroll office, interestingly yes. enough. Another good cool setup touch. that they had to do a lot of legwork because they both had to get different jobs there. They both, yeah. uh, she worked as a secretary uh, in the office and then he was in the downstairs in the meatpacking uh, facility because it was a meatpacking plant. Right next to um, the little payroll office. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's also weird that they have cash. In, in the payroll office, like, I mean, I guess it's a different time period, but like just, I, I, I thought that was interesting. But yeah, that whole sequence is great. Like how they, they mapped it out, they plotted it out. And no matter what, I feel like it doesn't always go to plan. If you find out a lot of these movies that you could plan it all day long, but the real life thing can't always, you can't always count for everything. You can't have a partner in these things. Uh, they'll let you down somehow. And she did it by killing that, uh, the two. She called a security guard and then the woman that, I guess it was her boss in the billing department. Yeah, it was and sassing she was, her earlier. She was already sassing her for a little bit. So I think she had a little bit of a motive uh, where she was already like kind of ready to, to <laughs> do something. Um, Live the dream. Well, she was, I mean, she, you know, she was trying to hit, there was like a, bu- a burglar uh, alarm in the, yes. the payroll office. Which had a large. crazy sound. Yes, it did. And the fact that it's like a large button right there, they're like, yeah. wow, they're really expecting that to happen. But yeah, so they're, they're on the run. They keep dropping things throughout the entire chase when they're being chased by uh, security and, and various employees. They keep dropping. He drops yeah, something, it's a, she drops It's a something. tough escape. Uh, yeah. that, it was not well planned. Yes, in the haste, they keep dropping things. But they do finally get in the car and, and uh, she shoots one of the security guards on the way out. And the goal is end up that they want to split up because they feel like, you know, it's, it's hot. Like, they really want to... She was actually going to kill one more person, too, wasn't she? And Bart stops her. He was go- she was going to kill... Yeah, he was... The grocer? Some, yeah, it was someone else. I can't think of yeah. it off the top of my head now. But yes, she was, and, and she, she, she held off. Well, she held off also... Um, you might be thinking of earlier when there was a separate robbery where from across the street, she was about to shoot a guy coming out of a bank. That's what it was. That's and, what it was. And he held her back. I think that's what you're thinking of. And, she, and, yeah. he, and that was successful. That was right before the, 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 the last, you know, the last heist that they made. But uh, so, yeah, so, th- so he was successful in that stop. But, and that leads up. So he was successful on that one. But on the, the one on the, the, big, the big payoff at the payroll, wasn't successful in, you know. Well, he wasn't even from- sure 
about that he that she had murdered her. Right. Dad. They didn't learn until later. They heard it on the radio later on when they were hiding out. They heard on the radio that, that she killed two people. I get so scared I can't even think. I I get so scared I can't even think. I can just kill. And they make that plan to go to Mexico, but then they decide to go dancing. So I, I guess all, all is okay. They can just completely, they're, they're, while they're waiting to get to Mexico, they're like, oh, let's go out for dinner and dancing. You know, they're still a, a married couple. You know, you yeah. got to keep things fresh i, I love the dancing scene. i thought it was great great scene um they got the marked bills so the the fbi is hot on their trails and inspecting yeah, bills. Is, i can only imagine how to how the, the coordination of that back then yeah and, and it, it made me think of this, this even the scene when they're when the the fbi guys finally go to the the ticket box office at the dance hall and they're like inspecting like the dollar like just the yeah. idea of like them going there and like being like, hey, we're the FBI. We need to open a cash <laughs> register and, and inspect these bills and make sure they're marked with the same cereal. I mean, you know, maybe there was only so many cereals back then. I'm not sure. That's possible. That's very I should possible. hope. I should hope it was a little easy on those poor customer service workers. It, it, it was a different time back then. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, they're supposed to split up um, for a couple months and they even have like separate getaway cars and everything. But instantly, you know, they can't bear to be apart. They have a nice scene where they kind of reverse course yeah. in the cars and, the and same, just uh, leave a free car for someone to grab yep free, free i love car that for grabs. Uh, that was that was a nice touch of their relationship um yeah, you see that they're yeah they're they're bound to each other and and like you know as much as they may try to it at some point for various reasons they they're they're kind of you know attached to each other and they even allude to that later on is like that they really they're on their own like they kind of made their bed and they have to line it to, together and you know they don't really have a lot of help so uh, in the meantime, they, the, they, were, they were foiled by the, the FBI. The feds came in from the dance hall. So they head to Bart's sister, Ruby, to her yeah, place taxi to and train. for a little bit. And one thing I noticed, um, the baby, Ruby's baby was just like psyched the whole time. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. It's interesting. Like the, I, I love the scene where, he, where they like kind of staking out going back into Ruby's house. Like when they finally make it back to the house and Bart and Lori are both kind of like, you know, you don't know if they're just going to like try to sneak into the house or not. And then they finally, like they're looking at windows and they're finally going in. And then finally they just like open the door and they're both right there. And you see like, just like the camera, it like stares at the family with Ruby and the kids. <laughs> yeah. And then it pans back to them. And they're just like that look. And like Ruby's just like, it's his sister and was basically like his guardian his whole life. And, yeah. and you can sense she that she bat for him. Right, doesn't want to go to bat for him for this one because like it's like, it's he's so far gone at this point. Um, and you feel this tension there and it goes throughout his short time there their, their short time together there's that yeah i mean and even no matter what like you know bart's in on this like he's not gonna he's not gonna bail on Lori. so right so they're all yeah. kind there's of bound no, together and it's that there's that, no hope right and it's like that element of like it's family for ruby but it's also like she really can't grapple i think with the morality of it or the immorality of it um yeah. of, of what they've been doing because she's obviously been aware of the news reports and so forth and no and newspapers and so forth that of well and one of on. his old friends that we met in the beginning is now works at the newspaper and then right. the other one is a sheriff a local right sheriff. right so they so they both kind of get you know they're both in the know and they end up kind of confronting him and saying like oh man you gotta oh gee man gee, oh gee man you gotta you gotta, <laughs> yeah. you gotta turn yourself in yeah um, and he doesn't he doesn't they take off. They were uh, going to take uh, one of the kids as a hostage, or she, Lori tried for a half second, right? Yeah, it did not work out. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, at the end, it's, it's always going to be those two. You know, I yeah. feel like that, that's, that's what this whole movie is about. Yeah, so they, they escape, um, and then they, they head off into the mountains, and they, they do camping. All this is great. I love the, yes. the, the mountains escape. 
Oh yeah. And, so and he knows it very well. So perfect. Yeah. yeah. He knows it very well. Cause you know, growing up, he mentions that he camped out there all the time. So he sure, knows we saw with well. the mountain lion in the beginning. Yep. It's all alluded to this thing is airtight. And then it gets to one of my other favorite scenes in the movie. Cause I'm a huge fan of fog as a, as a weather device in films, but in real life as well. I love fog. I find fogs just so interesting, but like as a device in movies is awesome. Like, I mean, Antonioni made, you know, m- much of his career with that, but um, you know, in, in this context too, and even in detour, going back to detour with some of the, maybe the limitations of the set design, mm-hmm. in this case, I feel like it's, it's a little bit of both, but it really sets that atmosphere where they're, they're kind of like, so they're on the run, they're hiding out, they're laying down, they fall asleep, they wake up. It's almost like a dreamlike fugue that they're in. Cause they kind of wake up and they're kind of disoriented and you see, it's just like, you see parts of bushes, but you see like all the fog and you're just like, is this real life? Is this, am I dreaming? Is this a nightmare? Like, it's like that whole that whole element, and it also adds to the the finality of of, of you know how are they going to get caught or what's going to happen. Which what is going to happen uh, is the, it looks like they're about to get caught. Um, and Bart sees Lori prepping to to shoot at the cops, so he shoots her, and then they shoot him. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it, that's and that's what's interesting. It's like he is looking at it from you know as much as he loves and cares about her, he was also in the moment seeing that she could potentially kill two of his best friends. Yeah. in the process and he made a choice to to kind of stop her spree and i guess that's probably coming back to that whole the morality code of the time period as well of having some type of justice at the end for those who were in the doing wrong um and they both kind of get theirs and it has a fantastic shot probably my favorite shot of the entire movie is um the the pan out at the end where the you know the two friends are walking away from it and you see the fog you see the bushes and then the camera pulls out at a diagonal a- angle and I, I love that. I mean, I, I think of one of my all-time favorite directors, Kala Tazov, who did um, uh, Letter Never Sent and um, uh, Cranes Are Flying, uh, mm-hmm. which are two great films. But in particular, Letter Never Sent is, uh, he does, there's a lot of shots of that too. I mean, that came, I think, seven years later after this film. So mm-hmm. I, I, I wouldn't say that maybe he was aware of this or not, but um, it's a very, he uses very similar shots where it's like this like really wide shot where it really comes back. Even Tarkovsky uses it in, in some of his movies as well. So it's like, I, I love I love that type of shot and it's a perfect ending in my my opinion like just the way just having the camera kind of pull out like that I just that that yeah. that just like for me just like that that's it that's 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 the end of the movie absolutely no it, it's it it stays solid the entire time it is a perfect ending yes and just from from what the story is being told but the visual story as well as you're saying um is just beautifully directed absolutely i think that i think that uh, above and beyond i think everything else i think it's just like yeah just the direction and the pace i mean the pace is pretty unrelenting too i, yeah. I think i mean there's some some little spots here and there where it's slow but i feel like it has a nice flow and 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 you know honestly like i would recommend anybody getting into noir anybody that's seen any film noir or even hasn't seen any I, I would recommend this i feel like it's got everything in it and for whatever wherever you're coming from as far as your awareness of film noir, I think this is a great one to watch. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like the, it's a very A movie, B movie, you know? Yes, um, exactly. I, I think it's, I, yeah, I definitely say this should be, if this was even like your first noir film, like that'd be fine. Like you can jump yeah. right into this one. No problem. Yeah. Um, just as a film lover and see if it, if it does anything for you genre wise, but um, yeah, it, it's, it's a perfect film. Yeah, I think it, it really, and it, it almost like foreshadows, you know, it, I mean, I think in the time period where it was made, because it's coming out like around 1950, yeah. it's, it's starting to get in, towards the end of like the golden age of film noir. 
And I feel like it, it starts to get towards like, I think even like 60s and 70s, like less noir, but more crime drama, like Bonnie and Clyde. And, and I know this was, has been called as an influence on that movie and, and stuff like that. And other just heist movies and, and couple movies, stuff like that. And I feel like it, this is kind of a forerunner to that. So it sits nicely in this pocket of like, you know, it's kind of in the middle between like the classic film noir and then maybe like the crime fil- you know, thriller dramas that would be prevalent, like especially in the early 70s that I love. Like, I don't want to say like French Connection, but like closer to that vibe, you know what I mean? Like where it gets into these kind of like crime dramas where they're on the road and they're on the lamb and stuff like that. I, I think it's nice to, it, it's kind of sits nicely in, in, in the middle of that. Yeah, it definitely, yeah. It, it, you, you get the best of all worlds for right. sure. Um, exactly. You're very static, but you're also on the road and you're moving. Uh, as we've been doing these movies, there's, there's a lot of drifting. <laughs> Right. And it's not a very convoluted plot. I feel like some, some noirs, as much as I, I love them, they can, they, the plots can, can be sometimes a little bit confusing. So I feel like it's pretty straightforward. Like everything is linear and, and it, it works nicely. So like, so like you said, like, you know, if you're not really familiar with, with uh, you know, these films, this is, this is probably a really good jumping off point for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, so Irish actor Peggy Cummings, she enjoyed a steady film career for about 10 years before Gun Crazy and mm-hmm. about 11 years after before mm-hmm. slowly leaving acting with steady television work until the mid 60s. After that, she was mostly active in charity work. Mm-hmm. She died only four years ago in yes. 2017 at 90, age of 92 of a stroke. Wow. And then John Dahl, who played Bart Terre, uh, had a much shorter career and also life uh, in contrast to his co-star. He first came to fame in 1945's The Corn is Green, which is a great title. Yes. Co-starring Betty Davis and was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for that role. Wow. I also enjoyed roles in Alfred Hitchcock's Rope and in our, the movie that we still need to see, Stanley Kubrick's Spartacus. Yes. Also written by Trumbo. Oh. And he, in, uh, he only made eight movies after this, uh, or in general, including his role in Gun Crazy before moving on to television. And he ended his career with multiple roles on four episodes of Perry Mason. He seemed to stop acting after that in 1965. And in 1970, he suffered a serious fall while visiting London and died from cardiac arrest three months later at home in Beverly Hills of age 50. And he donated his body to medical science. So that was nice. Wow. Yeah, I think the only other film I've seen of his is The Rope. I think that was the only time I've I've, I've really... Spartacus is supposed to be a a pretty meaty role in it too. Like, we're, we're blowing it. So, yeah, I guess we, we got to really For the out-of-the-podcast, after-school, extra-credit class. <laughs> I do need extra credit, so. Extra-credit podcast. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, that was uh, Gun Crazy. Cool. Yeah, I, I love it. I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, it was fun. I, I just, as I was watching, I just loved it more and more. Yes. Uh, every time I watch it, I, I like it more and more and it moves to higher up my list. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely a good repeat watch for sure. Like definitely like it's just as enjoyable watching it, you know, multiple times as watching it the first time. Definitely. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Join us next week for 1944's Laura. You have rarely met a girl like Laura. Few women have been so beautiful so exotic, so dangerous to know. You're Laura Hunt, aren't you? Yes. I'm Shelby Carpenter. Want to dance? I'm not alone. Oh, you poor girl. I bet he still does the polka. Yes. Betsy Ross taught it to me. It was as natural for Laura to be picked out from among thousands of alluring girls as it was for her to be surrounded by luxury, mystery, and scheming men. Every woman will feel that when it comes to men, Laura gets by with murder. 
every man will feel that when it comes to murder, it couldn't involve a more enticing girl. Don't worry. I told you I'd bring in the killer today. Yeah, I was just going to make the arrest when you called. No, I can't tell you now. I'm not alone. You'll see when I come in. It is not streaming anywhere, so you're going to have to rent this one or buy it. But you should buy it because it's you should buy amazing. It. But, you know, if you rent it, that's okay. We're not here to peer pressure. That's true. But, you know, you, you probably got a stimulus by now, right? Hopefully. You probably have ton- all of that $600 left over. <laughs> I hope this joke isn't even topical anymore. It is like, we got so much more money. What do you I hope so, too. I really do. We didn't. We got fucked, I'm sure. Uh, thank you, everybody. We're, uh, we're, we're crazy for gun crazy, and uh, we're... We're Mora for Laura <laughs> next week. <laughs> I don't know. I like it. All I right, like good. It. Thanks, guys. That'll do it. Uh, we'll see you next time. Next see week. Ya. Bye.